Thanks for checking out the YVF podcast today. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you in whatever season of life you're in. Now here's Pastor Kevin. Pastor Kevin and Tatiana asked me if I would share with you. <clears throat> and I did share this with some of the ladies at the tea party that we had a few months ago. So if you've heard it before, I'm sorry. <laughs> Beyond my control. Anyway, I just... Uh, probably need to pray <laughs> first. Lord, I just pray that you'd be with me and help me to remember the things I should say and forget the things that I should leave out. God, I just love you and praise you and I thank you for my church family, Lord. And just be with me, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Okay, well, I start off by saying every, every family has some kind of issues, whether it's uh, finances or addictions, somebody needs a job, somebody has unsaved loved ones, parents, children, maybe you've lost a child, there's been divorce, something, everybody's got something. And so, in our family, we had a problem with sickness, and later on, the sickness caused my father to go into alcoholism, not right away, but my mom was diagnosed with MS multiple sclerosis, and in those days, they didn't know what to do for you if you had that, and so over the years, it was difficult to take care of her, and she ended up going to long-term care, like in another town, so we didn't get to go see her all that often, and my dad got lonely and spend a lot of time in town. They had a beer parlor there, or a pub, you might say. The ladies were not invited there, so it wasn't anything like that, but he would go there and fellowship with the guys, and that brought him down. We grew up in a farming community called Herschel, Saskatchewan, Canada. And there was a big, big population of German Mennonites there because they were good farmers. That was a farming area. And uh, they were peaceful people. They didn't want to go to war. And uh, they just wanted a good place to work, raise crops, raise a family. and have a safe place to live. In our little town, there was four different kind of churches. We had a Catholic, a United Methodist, 
a German Mennonite, and a Pentecostal church. The Pentecostal church was called the Gospel Lighthouse. And as kids, we said some very disrespectful things about the Pentecostal church. We called them the Holy Rollers, <laughs> or the ones that swung from the chandeliers. We had no idea what we were saying. We were just repeating stuff that we'd heard. Our family didn't go to church, maybe because my mom was wheelchair bound a lot of those years, and those kind of wheelchairs were horrible. You couldn't hardly lift them. They were heavy and wooden and whatnot. So we didn't go to church. But my grandma, on my dad's side, she was credited with starting the Sunday school for the kids in Herschel. So we weren't complete infidels. <laughs> but one thing my dad would never allow us to say God's name in vain. I had an uncle that dad's brother, he was filled with all kinds of expletives, whatever you want to call it. Couldn't hardly say a sentence without saying something like that. But my dad was not like that, and he said, don't be taking the Lord's name in vain. Anyway, um, my husband went to the Mennonite church, and they had about four or five different guys that could preach or give a message. And Walt didn't think they were paid. They were just volunteers. And he said the sermons were all in German. The ladies sat on one side and the men on the other side, and the teenagers kind of sat at the back. And Walter said it was so boring that he kept and saved all his slivers for Sunday. <laughs> we could have something to do. <laughs> and he also said he never heard the gospel message at that church. I said, oh, he must have, they must have told the gospel. He says, I don't remember hearing it. We had good talks, I guess, but didn't remember hearing that at all. And uh, like I said, the sermon was all in German. So you had to be German to get anything out of it. There was one family that was German, and he was a shop owner in town, and he ran the grocery store, and he went to the Mennonite church. However, Walt said every once in a while they would see that car over at the Pentecostal church. <laughs> and he thought that was interesting, because that service was all in English. Well, he was a shopkeeper, so he didn't know how to talk English, but he just thought it was interesting that he would go to the Pentecostal church. Well, later that summer, 
there was a boys camp that was started and Walter ended up going to that boys camp. I don't know how long it was, maybe a few days, maybe a week, I don't know. But he was about 14 years old at the time. And uh, he said we were hammered with the gospel. <laughs> I guess that meant they heard it three or four different ways every day. And if you didn't go forward to receive the Lord, somebody would come up and say to you, if you want to go up, I'll go up with you. And uh, anyway, he said that he was quite affected by that camp. In fact, I think it had a pretty good effect on him because my husband does not have a potty mouth like some guys do. He never cusses. And so we were wondering if the man that was the shopkeeper that snuck over to the Pentecostal church, we wondered if he, if he was instrumental in starting that camp up because he wanted the young men to come to know the Lord and get saved. In John 3, 3, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was a Pharisee and a religious leader, and uh, Jesus told him, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, how can I be born again? How can an old man get in his mother's womb again? And uh, you can read it for yourself in John 3, 3, but Jesus was telling him, it's not enough to be religious. You need to be born again. When I was a little girl, I remember my grandmother singing to me as she was making the bed. I was probably only four or five, and I remember her singing, Jesus Loves Me, to me as she was working there. And then later on, we were taught that little prayer. You probably all heard of it. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, thank you, God, my soul to keep. So we were taught to pray that and not take the Lord's name in vain. But I don't remember hearing too much about Jesus. We talked about God at our house, but not anything about Jesus. So I don't know how that happened that we didn't hear. I remember we got an, a young couple came to town that was a pastor and a wife and they invited some of our youth people over to their house. And I remember him asking, I think it was just girls there that day. I remember him saying, you can tell me about Jesus. And these other little girls seemed to know Oh, he died on the cross for us. I didn't know that. 
so I was kind of ignorant. <laughs> anyway, uh, life went on. My mom ended up passing away when she'd had that disease about 12 years, and she passed away. And after that happened, my aunt and uncle from Vancouver came out and said, why don't these girls come over and spend a year at our house and go to school? So that's what happened. And that was quite a shock to our system because we went to this little town, little church, little, or little school, I should say. And here I get to this big school. It was like 2,000 people from grade 9 to 12th grade. And I was lost <laughs> for the first couple of weeks. I was always in the wrong floor, in the wrong class or whatever. I finally got it worked out. And my dad came out after the harvest and he met a friend of my auntie's and uh, this lady was never married and anyway they started getting along and first thing you know they wanted to get married. So that summer I came back to Herschel and my dad and Phyllis, her name was Phyllis, came back, and I started the 10th grade that year. Even though Walter and I went to the same school, we knew who each other was, but we, we weren't friendly or anything till the 10th grade. <laughs> I got there back from Vancouver. I was in the 10th grade, and he was in the 11th grade, and we were in the same schoolroom because each teacher taught three grades and so that's when we kind of got acquainted and uh, started going out and that next summer I got a job I moved out of the house I was 16 moved out of the house and the lady that I was working for she had been a long-distance telephone operator, and she said, well, that's something you could do. You don't have to be a high school graduate. I, I dropped out of school in the, I started the 12th grade, but I told my dad, I want to quit school and go get a job. And I thought he would say, no way, you're going to finish school. But he didn't say anything, so I did quit school. And that wasn't a smart thing to do. I was going to save money so we could get married. If anybody knows how that works, by the time you pay your rent and your food, and there's no money to save anyway. <laughs> but anyhow, I had dropped out of school and I did get to apply as a long distance <coughs> telephone operator and I had to move to another bigger town. And uh, Walter dropped out of school and he moved to Alberta and was working for Halliburton, the oil people. And later on, <coughs> he learned how to be a lineman. 
learned how to climb poles. And Saskatchewan was just starting to get electricity to all the farmers because they didn't have any electricity. The cities had maybe battery-powered battery electricity or something. I don't know, but he learned how to be a lineman. Sorry. And um, later he got a job in one certain town, a bigger town, and I got transferred to that same town, so we ended up getting married. That was in May of 1958. In the winter time, the power guys got a whole month off because it was so terribly cold up there. And we took a little trip down to the United States during that time. We both had uncles that lived down here. I had an uncle in Trona, California, who was a miner, <coughs> and his uncle lived in Carson City and he worked for the state. So um, after we got married and we came down here on this trip, we were looking around and we were seeing how warm it was down here. <laughs> you guys don't think it's warm, but it was warm down here. People were running around with the sweater or a little coat jacket on, no, no big snow boots, no mitts, no hats and everything. And we said to each other, could we move here? So that planted a seed in our heart and we went home and we started working on our visa. Or at that time it was a green card you could get. It took a few months Till we could get everything done. We had to be fingerprinted and they had to go to the capital of the country, Ottawa, make sure we weren't felons. We had to go to Calgary, Alberta to their special doctors to make sure we weren't laden with disease. <laughs> and over time we got the okay to come, and the day that we came over the border was June 1961, and we crossed over at Sweetgrass, Montana. We had a car, we had a baby, 18-month-old Carrie, the one that plays the piano, and we had about $375, that was it. And we went to our uncle in Carson, and he let us stay with him for a couple nights. And he worked for the state, so he knew where you could get an apartment. And got an apartment for $30 a month. Wow. That seems incredible because, you know, some of the kids nowadays are paying like $1,500 or something for an apartment. So we were in business. We were in Carson City, and we had a, a car, and we had a flat. And we got a job right away cleaning a bowling alley. We had to wait till they closed up. They'd close up about 2 o'clock in the morning, and 
So we gather up our baby and go down there and clean. And we would be there till about nine o'clock in the morning before we got done. And everything was working pretty good. And uh, He'd worked at the bowling alley a little while, and he decided to try going to work at Sierra Pacific in Reno. We had a letter. We'd gotten a letter when we were down here and asked him if they could give us a letter that said they would hire him, because when you got your visa, you either had to have enough money or a sponsor or a job. They didn't want you getting on welfare. So he went into Reno and he got hired, but there was a little problem because he'd worked in Saskatchewan, rural Saskatchewan, building lines. It wasn't quite the same as going to the heart of Reno with hot sticks working hot. <laughs> and so they told him that they had to lay him off because he was going to get killed doing that. So then we were looking for work again, and somebody told us about Yarrington. They said that they had a copper mine over here, and they were hiring me. And so he came over to investigate and got hired. And uh, when you got on with the bowl game, the, or the anaconda, the first thing you did was went to the bowl game. And then they would decide what you were good at and assign you a different shop and so on. And Walter was working on the bowl game with a man named Van Cummings. He was a pastor at the Assembly of God Church here. And Walter ended up liking him a lot. And uh, he'd come home from work one day and he said, you know, we need to be going to church. We need to be taking our little girl to Sunday school. And I said, okay. I didn't think I needed it, but he did. <laughs> and so we started going to church. At first we'd go once or twice and then we'd miss a couple weeks and then we'd go back again and that's how that was working out. And finally we met a lot of nice people at that Assembly of God Church and uh, everything was going good. Then um, We heard that um, he got a phone call, I guess it was. Lost my spot, I have to put my glasses back on. <laughs> if I can see my book, I can't see you. If I can see you, I can't see my book. <laughs> anyway, we got uh, go into that church pretty regular and uh, then 
our Pastor Van Cummings was telling us that he was going to be moving to California. They assigned him a spot in the Fresno area. And uh, so we got a new young pastor. And that young pastor was just out of seminary and he said, I'm not going to want to be a, a working pastor. I want to be a full-time pastor. And uh, he said, the way that that could work is if all of you start tithing, then there'd be enough money and I could be a full-time pastor. And we thought, tithing? What's tithing? Walter remembers when the offering plate got passed in the Mennonite church, his dad always put one dollar in every Sunday, one dollar. Because he didn't have any money anyway. There was not much going on in Canada, but we started thinking a tithe, 10% of your income. We were a little disgusted. We thought, why can't this guy go to work <laughs> like the last guy did? And so the next Sunday, we were out looking for a different church. <laughs> and we came to this church. It wasn't called the Vineyard then. It was called First Baptist Church. And we started going here and we found it likable. Nobody said how much money you had to give or anything. <laughs> and uh, around that time, oh, I forgot something there. Before Van Cummings left the church, uh, my husband got a phone call from Canada. Your younger brother was killed in an accident. He was like only 21 or so years old. It was an accident where an earth-moving machine ran right over his truck and killed him and another young guy. And so he was going to go to the funeral. And I decided to stay here because I was very pregnant with our second baby. And we didn't have much money anyway, so I stayed here. And the week that, or the week that he was gone to the funeral, I took Terry and we went to church. And that day the pastor gave an evangelistic sermon, that you need to be born again. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the service, he, you know how they used to say, every head bowed, every eye closed, no looking around. If you want to receive Jesus, put your hand up. So I did. And I thought, you know, somebody would counsel me or talk to me. But then we were dismissed and we were allowed to go home. So on my way home, I was thinking, hmm, am I a Christian now or not? <laughs> I did ask the Lord to be my savior, so I guess I'm a Christian. I didn't hear any bells going off or light flashes <laughs> or anything. So I thought there'd be something. But anyway, went home and uh, 
I remembered that scripture that says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I had called on the name of the Lord, so I was deciding that I was saved. And things were going along pretty good. And um, we met some really nice people here in this church, and one of them wanted to take a class at night school, U.S. history. And he said, they won't teach the class if we don't have enough people. And how about you and your wife taking the class, and then we'd have enough. And your, my wife would take care of your two kids, and so we decided to go and take that class. And that teacher was John Mayeroff, and he made it really interesting. And Walter really enjoyed that class. And pretty soon the semester was over, and uh, he said, well, maybe we can take some more classes and get our diploma. So that's what we started out doing. And. Uh, we were actually at the mine up here for about seven years. And uh, when we started coming to this church, we met this lady, Helen Hutchison, invited us over for dinner. And she lived on West Street, right next to Kurt and Shelley, <laughs> 122 North West Street. And we said, uh, gee, this is a cute little house. If you ever want to sell it, could we be in line to try to buy it? And a few years passed there. And, and uh, one day she said to us, my house is going to be up for sale. I'm moving back east to marry my old sweetheart. They'd both been married to somebody else. They both got widowed or widowered or whatever, and uh, she was going back there to marry him. And she said, you kids could buy the house if you want. And we didn't have much money. We had only about $500 saved. And the house was supposed to be worth about $10,000. She said, that's fine. I'll take the 500 and I'll carry the loan for you. And that was the Lord. <laughs> and um, so we were happily living in our house. Some of the guys that we'd hired said, what in the world do you want to buy a house for? The rent up here is only $30 a month or so. And what do you want to buy a house? And Walter wanted to buy a house. He wanted to have something. So we moved into our house. And then we heard talk about the mine is going to go on strike. We didn't know what that was all about. And uh, people were starting to scramble looking for work. And he got a job putting sewer lines in somewhere for a few days. And um, then we heard that 
a man that we hardly even knew in Merrington. His name was Jack Evans. He went to Reno to hire on, or try to hire on with Sierra Pacific, and he was a machinist. And they said, we're sorry, Jack, but we don't really need a machinist. What we're looking for is linemen. And so he said, well, can I put somebody's name in for an interview? And he put Walt's name down for an interview. And he kept that interview, and what do you know, we got hired. He'd had like seven years working at Anaconda, working in the electric shop, working on the power lines. So now he was equipped and ready to do the hard, hot work. And the only thing is we had to move to South Lake Tahoe. And so we got moved up there and we actually enjoyed it. It was something different, new surroundings. Everything was good, except in the winter it snowed every weekend. And we had shoveled the snow as high as we could. On each side of the driveway, it was up as six foot at least. <laughs> and so the next fall, we said to each other, let's get out of here. <laughs> and um, you couldn't just go to any power company anywhere. You had to go where there was an opening. And the opening was in Lovelock. And he bid on that job, and he got the job. And we moved over there on at Thanksgiving time. I remember we loaded our truck up, and we made it to Lovelock. And the next morning, guess what? It snowed. <laughs> and we were kind of bummed out by that, but it doesn't last long in Lovelock. So. When we got to Lovelock, there was a building program going on. The church over there was starting to build, and we got there just in time. So Walter got to work after work and on Saturdays on the building program. And some of the people from Merrington even came over and helped. I know uh, Andy Joyner came over and Lloyd and Schaefer Parker, and the Hutchisons, Florence and James came over. Anyway, we ended up being in Lovelock about four years. And Terry was taking piano lessons at Tahoe, and then when we moved to Lovelock, she took them over there too. And one of the school teachers, Doug Farr, I think his name was, was teaching her piano and one day I was at their house and his wife was teaching me or telling me about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I remember thinking, well that's interesting, but I don't think that's for me. And I said that out loud and I had to regret saying that later <laughs> because later I wanted it and I was having a hard time getting it. But anyway, 
Lovelock, and she was telling me about the baptism and planting a seed. And uh, we heard about some rumors that some people in Yarrington were getting the baptism. And I wanted Jeannie to come up and share, if she would. There's a little microphone right up here. Is it on? It's on. <laughs> okay. I don't like speaking in front of people. Stephen Sherry prayed for me. <laughs> um, we moved here in 1966. Um, my dad was the pastor. He actually was the founding pastor of this work back in the early 50s when I was just a little wee one. Uh, he would come over and the church met where the Boy, Boys and Girls Club is now. And uh, that's where they started the mission work. In 1966, after we had lived in California quite a while, we were living in Hawthorne when the time that the church was established. Um, my brother Tom and I were both born there. They already had the two oldest boys. <clears throat> we moved from Riverside in 56, or from, from Hawthorne to Riverside and Escondido, uh, Dad pastored a little church in Riverside and went to college there at Cal Baptist and um, left there and moved to Alturas where we spent the bulk of our childhood, elementary years, and then over to Modesto. In 1966, this church was going through some really difficult times and uh, they called Dad to be a pastor here and he prayed about it. And our family moved over in 66. At that time, uh, the two oldest boys were grown. Uh, Dwayne Butch, we call him, was um, married and, and lived in Modesto at the time. And Steve was going into the Navy. So it was mostly Tom, Dave, and I after about August. Um, after doing, going through high school and graduating in 1970, I went to Cal Baptist myself for a couple years. But the end of my first year, I came home, and there was a young, young couple had moved to Yarrington to open a Christian coffee house on Main Street. Uh, it was called the Alpha House, and it was right next door to where the state yard is over there by the tire shop. And so a lot of the young people from the church went over there. It was, it was non-denominational, and it was um, presenting Jesus. And, and a lot of kids started getting saved. But this young couple named Jeff and Cheryl McCachran, there was something really different about them in their walk with the Lord. There was something so intense. Uh, I felt like my life was missing something. I had asked Jesus in my heart when I was six years old. So I'd known Jesus a long time. But I can't say that I had grown in the Lord a whole lot. <laughs> and I sure, I love Jesus but I didn't really understand the power that I had as a Christian in the name of Jesus. I just didn't understand it. And um, one night, um, my brother Tom was home from UNR for the summer, and he was kind of heading up, helping head up the youth group and all with his guitar and singing. Um, this couple invited my brother Tom and I out to their house for tacos. 
and they lived out on the old Hamer Ranch. It's, you go right by where the house sat. The, there's a big shed on there now on the East Walker going to the, to the uh, Walker River out there. And so we had these really delicious tacos. Um, I was, I was eight, not, well, I was 18 then. I was 18 years old. And we had tacos, and then after the tacos, they said, we'd like to share with you this, um, this uh, musical called Come Together by Jimmy Owens. And so it was vinyl, you know, so we sat down and listened to it. It was a very anointed record. You could really feel God's presence in this record. Pat Boone did the, uh, all the emceeing kind of on it and sang on it, and I always loved Pat Boone, so I thought it was really neat. After we had that time of listening to that, Jeff and Cheryl started opening up with their testimonies about their walk with the Lord and how they had been filled with the Holy Spirit and how that put a new dimension in their Christian walk. Well, I had already been feeling like I was just missing something, and uh, Tom had as well, I think, and so they said, would you, would you like to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to baptize you in his love? And I said, well, yes, I would. I want what the Lord has for me. And I saw a dimension in praise that night. I'd never seen the Lord fell on our little group, and we were just singing and worshiping, and I just never felt the presence of the Lord like I did that night, ever in my life. I had felt the Lord before, and it was exciting. And, you know, see people coming to Jesus. That's what it's all about, bringing people to Jesus. But I'd never sensed that praise. And, and there was no way the enemy could have gotten in there that night because God inhabits the praises of his people. And the enemy couldn't get in there. And a lot of people used to say, oh, that's of the devil. They didn't understand when God gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, he gave it to us to be with us. And he didn't pick and choose what he was going to stop doing and what he wasn't. He didn't pick and choose. He gave us the gift. And we were sealed till the day of salvation with, our, with the Holy Spirit. But the power, I didn't really understand the power in the name of Jesus till that night. I started understanding it and uh, feeling starting to see God's, God's hand in things, like the, the Alpha House, you know, the nudies, and a bunch of people here went to the Alpha House. We saw miracles down there. I'd never seen miracles. I thought miracles ended with the apostles. There were nights that there would be, um, they would have uh, like a Bible study and then have like a potluck, and all these kids were coming from Yarrington High School, and these kids that didn't know Jesus, they were coming over there, and hearing about the Lord, and they started running out, of, they'd run out of food, and the kids would go in the side room and pray, and literally the Lord would multiply the food. There was no way to explain it except for it was miraculous. It was the Holy Spirit working. And so uh, we, you know, we just started seeing God's presence, and then the Lord started moving in our congregation here, and quite a few people, it wasn't understood by a lot of people, we lost some people because they did not understand what was going on. Nothing was, sh was shoved on them, but it was a very sweet presence of the Lord, but they just didn't understand. And so um, I do want to go back on my parents. My mother was raised in Southern California, and as a little girl, she had had an encounter with the Holy Spirit as a five-year-old. And uh, her mother 
was a Christian lady and uh, Pentecostal persuasion, but mom was at a meeting as a little girl, and she told me once, I'm, I'm so glad she told me, and I'm hoping I'm remembering this exactly how she told me, but she was five years old, and the Lord spoke to her in a meeting and said there was going to be an earthquake down there in Southern California. She didn't even know what an earthquake was. But she went ahead, or, you know, she went ahead and shared what she thought that God was telling her, that there was going to be an earthquake. And guess what? <laughs> there was an earthquake pretty quick after that. And she and her sister were home alone, and the mom had trained the sister what to do if there was an earthquake. And she went and turned off the gas, went off to the electric, went down to the neighbors, took mom. It was just them at home. And then my dad was raised in Oklahoma, and he was in Ozark, Okie, and um, he had, his dad worked in the, in the oil fields back when he was a little fella, and they had a little, there was three boys born, the youngest named Jack wa died from a sunburn as a two-year-old, um, because they didn't have the antibiotics then, and probably something just, I'm sure it wasn't a really clean environment around just the oil fields there and everything. I know their mother was a good housekeeper, it wasn't that. But um, anyway, so there was two boys left, one older than my dad named Carl. Well, as Carl became a Christian and eventually went into the ministry, um, they had never been church going as kids ever, really good parents, but just never had been in church. And he asked the Lord into his heart and he became a, ba a Baptist pastor. And then as he shared the Lord with my dad and all, my dad, I'm not sure exactly how old my dad was when he became a Christian. But, but dad and mom ended up turning their hearts over to the Lord. They got baptized in a creek in Oklahoma by his brother, went on a trip back there, and then came out. And then dad went in the ministry. So Hawthorne was actually his first ministry. And, he, and what he did there was plant churches. He planted, the, I believe he planted the church in Lovelock, and the one in Fallon, and one in Tonopah that are still going, Baptist churches. So it's kind of a cool family history you know, I think. But um, we got to see a lot of just wonderful, miraculous things after the Holy Spirit started moving. And um, I hope if you've never had that experience, you will look into it because the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he tells us all to be filled with the Spirit. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We're saved the Holy Spirit's with us all the time, but there's an infilling where there's power that comes with it. So, um, anyway, God bless everybody. Love y'all. Okay. Thank you, and then I wanted to ask... I wanted to ask Walter to come up and share what happened to him on the way home from Reno. We were getting ready to move back here, and we didn't even know it at, that, at this time, but Walter was asked to take a truck to Reno to be worked on, and when he was driving home from Reno to Lovelock, he had a God encounter. So you tell him about your God encounter. Use the microphone there. Scared of it. Is it off? It's probably working because Jeannie. Oh, it's on. 
Yes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> let's see, I'm trying to put my mind right here. Um, okay, we were, uh, we had a house on West Street in Yarrington. We love Yarrington, okay? We never wanted to leave, but we had to, because of my job, we had to move to Lovelock. We're always hoping to go back to Yarrington. But anyway, uh, we were in uh, Lovelock, and I had to take a truck to Reno and get it fixed and bring it back. <clears throat> and uh, I just went through Fernley. And this was before the Holy Spirit was everywhere, okay? It was nowhere. <laughs> anyway, I was... <clears throat> I was driving along, and went through Fernley, and I felt the Holy Spirit. And we weren't used to this, okay? I mean, Baptists are good people, but they didn't have everything. So anyway, it just kept getting stronger and stronger. And I was just praying and shouting and screaming like an idiot for 80 miles. Little did I know God was preparing us to come here. And this church was already going crazy. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I got home, and anyway, pretty quick, a few, I don't know, maybe a few years later, I don't know what, there was a bid for Yarrington, and I bid on it, and I got, well, we had our house on West Street. That was our drawing magnet, okay? It was ours. Oh, and I forgot something good. Before this happened, a few a week or so before this happened, our renters told us they were moving. And I thought, oh, goodness gracious. I've got to find another renter. Okay, the house is empty, and uh, we're moving back. So we're, we've got our house... Our house is empty. We're home, Yarrington. So uh, let's see. Oh, in this church, I'd already had this experience with the Holy Spirit. And I <clears throat> heard these crazy women in the church here. It was Muriel Bromley, and it was a whole, it was half a dozen of them. They were uh, doing what we do now. <laughs> We didn't understand it, but uh, I thought, hum. So I went over and joined them, and we had we went to prayer every night, almost every night of the week. Okay, we were just I don't know, full of the Holy Spirit. She thought I was crazy, <laughs> but eventually uh, she uh, joined me, and let's see. Anyway. We're back in our church. That that room wasn't there. That building wasn't there when we joined this church. It was a long time ago. All there was just this year. But anyway, um, what am I leaving out, Pauline? What am I leaving out? I'm done? She says I'm done. You have to realize something. She's the boss. <laughs> okay. Is that why you're nervous or what? Christian for you? 
so after we got back to Yarrington and moved back in our house, he wanted to go to all these Bible studies because he liked what happened to him and he wanted more of it. So he was going to the Catholic meetings out there and the meetings in Smith Valley at the Sutherland's home and I thought he was getting nuts. <laughs> I didn't like him being quite that religious. <laughs> and um, so anyway, you can go have a seat if you want to. I mean, just turn it, turn it off or whatever. So, um, oh, after we got moved back here, we got reacquainted with Jeannie and Greg Rodman, and they were going down to uh, L.A. once a month. There was a meeting down there at the Shrine Auditorium. Catherine Kuhlman was a faith healer, and so Walt and Greg rented these buses, and you could get a bus and a bus driver and charge each person so much money, and they could have a hotel that night. We'd go down one day, stay in the hotel, and the next day go to the meeting and then come home. So, you want to sit down, honey? You can sit down. Anyway, uh, on one of these, I only went twice. I don't know how long this went on, maybe six months or so. And uh, I only went twice on my second trip. Um, People were getting healed or baptized or this or that on the, even on the bus going down and back. And so Pastor Greg came over and he or stood up and said, anybody want something for, want to get prayed for something? So I said, I'd like to get prayed for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I had gotten prayed lots of times at the women's meetings, but I couldn't seem to receive it. And so he came over and stood by me and prayed over me. And I wanted him to go sit down, because <laughs> I didn't feel right about him standing there. It was drawing attention. And I wanted him to go sit down. But like most pastors, if they pray for something, they believe it's going to happen. So he stayed there, and I was getting a little flustered. I want to go away. And I opened my mouth, and out came this sentence. And it was the baptism, but the enemy told me, you just made that up. You just made that up. And if you read in the Bible, you start reading Genesis, on about the third chapter, it Here's the devil in the form of a serpent, serpent, deceiving Eve. And that's what he did to me. He deceived me, and I thought I didn't get it. So anyway, after we got home, got settled and everything, Walt would go to work, and the kids would go to school, and I would grab my cup of coffee and my Bible, and I'd say, okay, Lord, I'm going to receive the Holy Spirit today. And I'd start trying to receive it. And 
somebody said, you've got to make a sound. You can't expect him to do everything. And I thought, what kind of a sound should I make? And I thought, I'll try the, the vowel sounds, A-E-I-O-U. So I was trying, trying that. And one day, it just came out. And I haven't had any trouble since then praying in the spirit. And anyway, uh, where am I? There's, a, there's that verse in John 10.10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he was trying to steal my joy, steal my um, receiving the baptism. About that time, I heard about this little book, The Daily Decree. It was written by a pastor's wife in Tennessee, Brenda Kuhneman. Anyway, there's a lot of different decrees you can make. And there is a verse in uh, in Job. It says, you can make your prayer to him. He will hear you. And uh, he will answer you so that light shines on your way. And that's kind of what a, a decree is. You're claiming something. And this little book is full of examples and stuff. It's kind of good. Anyway, uh, you might think, well, what do I want the baptism in the Holy Spirit for? You don't know what you're saying. And it says you're not speaking to men, you're speaking to God, mysteries to God. But in the Corinthians, in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians, there's three chapters, 12 13 and 14 that goes into it in real detail. And if you get a couple of different translations and you read it in two or three different translations, it makes a lot of sense. But anyway, the baptism is supposed to give you power. And uh, anyway, I, I just believe that it's a good thing to have baptism in the Holy Spirit and uh, I just wanted to s go over a, a couple of things about the blessings that the Lord brought into our life we have a friend that usually sits down there in the back row and he used to work for the prison you know Jim Henderson Anyway, he said, we think that we're planning our life. We think that we're the ones orchestrating what's going on. But really, it's the Lord moving things around and getting things set for us. And I got seven things here that I could say that the Lord did for us. The first thing, God caused Walt to meet up with Pastor Dan Cummings and got him to thinking, yeah, I was raised in church. We should be taking our little girls to church. 
That was the first thing. The second thing, I got confronted at, at his Van Cummings uh, sermon. I needed to be born again. I didn't know I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't know he had to invite the Lord to be your savior. He doesn't push his way into our life. He has to be invited. Uh, the third thing is the night school thing. We both had quit school. Neither one of us had a high school diploma. It was God that caused Milton Grover to invite us <laughs> you know, go to the night class. And when we did it, we thought, oh, this isn't so hard. Maybe we could graduate. <laughs> so we did. And he later needed that diploma or he wouldn't have got hired the second time. And then there was the opportunity to buy the house. The lady that let us buy her house she was offered cash by some other woman. And most people would have said, well, forget them. I'm getting the cash. But she was an honorable lady, and she wanted to bless these young kids that needed a house. And so that was a blessing. Another blessing was during that strike, this guy that we didn't even know hardly made an appointment for Walter to get an interview. That was the Lord. He probably would never have thought of trying to go back there because he was laid off by that company. But this was much later and more experienced. And then Walter got that experience in the truck where the Lord came in on him and he uh, responded back, and it was such a good experience. He wanted more of it. <laughs> and our renters said they were moving out. The Lord know, knew that we were coming back here before we even knew it. So that's my testimony. We hope you enjoyed the message. Before you leave, we want to remind you that if you want to continue receiving updates on new sermons, that you subscribe to our podcast. If you want more information on how to contact us, make sure to check out our website at urringtonvineyardfellowship.com. And we'll see you next time on the YBF Podcast.